We've been looking at the um, letter of Paul to the Ephesians, and we're going to read a passage of Scripture now from Ephesians chapter, uh, Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to read uh, Ephesians chapter 3 and verses 1 to 13. Um, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. Now he goes off here on a bit of a diversion. If you you go to verse 14, he gets back to where he was going to (laughs) get. You see, for this reason, I kneel. He gets to his prayer. He's about to pray for these believers, but he gets distracted. He goes off on a bit of a tangent, which is what we're reading this morning. So we'll get, we'll get to the prayer, and he'll get to the prayer, but he says some important stuff as he, as he goes off on a bit of a diversion, a bit of an off-ramp. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, uh, surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities of the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you which are your glory. Um, Paul starts this passage and finishes this passage speaking about his suffering. He's in chains, uh, he's in prison, and there's various uh, theories of where he is in prison, and uh, we're not exactly sure, but he's, he's in chains as he writes to these Ephesian believers and other believers in, in, um, in this area around that church. So he starts in, uh, highlighting how he's imprisoned, and he finishes by saying, I I don't want you to be discouraged because of my suffering, because of what I'm going through, because in all of this, God's got a plan. And if you read through that passage and you let the words kind of bleed out out of the passage, if you read it a few times, which is a good way to read scripture, just read it slowly and read it again and and see which words start to be repeated and, and come through the passage, you'll find in this passage certain words repeated and repeated and repeated. One of them is mystery. Paul talks a lot about the mystery that's been revealed. Another word that comes up a lot in this passage is grace. He speaks of the grace of God and the favor of God. And so I want to talk to you this morning about the grace that was given to Paul 
uh, for the mystery that was revealed to him. That God showed his grace in revealing a mystery to Paul and to the church at that time. And we'll look a little bit at that. I also want to speak to you about the grace that is given for the ministry. Grace for a mystery in this sense for Paul. Grace for ministry. And then finally, I want to talk to you about the grace given to the church to show the manifold wisdom of God. These are the areas of grace that Paul talks about in this, in this passage. As he, as he gets a bit distracted, he starts talking about my ministry to you Gentiles, and then um, he'll get back to his prayer that he's praying for them. Now he's been writing as we've looked these past few weeks at the amazing transformative power of the gospel, and we've been looking at some befores and afters. Uh, he, he, he highlighted to the believers, to the Gentiles in particular, that before they were dead in their transgressions, they were enslaved uh, in their sin, uh, and to the world, to the flesh, and to, to the devil, and, and they, they, were, they were foreigners to the promises of God. But, but, now, but now they have been uh, brought near. Now they have been shown the truth of the gospel, and in the last two weeks passages, we've been looking at the but God and but now and the transformative power of the gospel in people's lives. But in this passage today, we want to look at the grace of God, the grace for the mystery revealed. So for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, that is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. So, so Paul is saying this mystery has been made known to me by revelation. The Greek is mysterion, and when we think of mystery, perhaps, we think of something that's hidden, something that we don't know, something that we try and puzzle out, but mysterion in the Greek actually means something that is revealed, something that is an open secret, something that was hidden but has now been made known. And what Paul says is that this mystery has been hidden from us for centuries. The people in the past did not know it, but now it has been revealed to us, to the church, to me as an apostle of Christ, to preach this gospel to you. And Christ has revealed it to us and to me. And, and um, Paul speaks of this revelation that this grace and this revelation that he received. Uh, if we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we can see there where Paul speaks of this mystery that God made known to him, this revelation. He says as he writes to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 12, although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man, and he's speaking of himself, who in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would be a fool because I would be speaking, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. To keep me from being conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, 
There was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. So that's Paul writing to the um, the Corinthian believers and telling them about these revelations that he'd received from God. He had visions of God and, and this ministry to the Gentiles. And, and then, but he'd been given, because of the surpassing greatness of what God had shown him, uh, he'd been given this thorn in the flesh. And we don't know what that is, whether it was an illness or, or whether it was his eyesight or whatever it was. But, but, but God said to him, in, in your weakness, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in your weakness. And though I've revealed this gospel to you to share with others, I've also I've given you the grace for that. I've given you the grace for this revelation. I've given you the grace to minister. I've given you the grace that you need, and it will be made perfect in your weakness and God's wisdom as we've read previously in other weeks in 1 Corinthians 2 is revealed by the Spirit of God Uh, these things are revealed by the Spirit of God Paul says as he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and then he says here in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 4 he says in reading this then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ so he's been shown these things and he's starting to explain this mystery to these believers, to the Gentiles and the Jews, this revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says, in reading this, you will be able to understand. We see there from 1 Corinthians chapter 2 in the work of the Holy Spirit to show the mystery of God, to hidden things of God. The Spirit of God shows what is in the heart of the Father. And we see here about reading what is Uh, the understanding, the mystery of Christ, we see this combination of word and spirit, the combination of the word of God, the scriptures made plain to us, and the spirit of God who shows us these things and makes them understandable for us. So Paul speaks of the grace that is given for this mystery. He speaks of the fact that it has now been revealed, even though it was hidden for centuries past. He speaks of the fact that it comes by the revelation of the Spirit of God. And of course, previously, as he writes to the Ephesians, he's saying, I'm praying for you that you also will have a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Christ and you may know hope to which he's called you and the glorious inheritance of the saints and the incomparably great power for those that believe. So Paul is speaking of this apocalypse, this revelation of God that has come now and that he writes to the Corinthians about and says, God, God took me up to the third heaven. God revealed these things to me, and I'm now revealing them to you through the scriptures and through the revelation of the Spirit of God. But what is this mystery that Paul is speaking of? Well, he goes on to say what it is. He says, in reading this, verse 4 of chapter 3 of Ephesians, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to men in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. And then he goes on to say what this mystery is. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, they are members together of one body, and they are sharers together 
in the promise in Jesus Christ. This is the mystery, Paul says, that, and he uses the prefix S-Y-N, sin, and he says three things that you are together with the Jews now. Three things there in verse 6. You are heirs together with Israel. You Gentiles who were excluded from this gospel, you are now heirs together with Israel. You are inheriting this gospel, this truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then the other thing that he says, you are with them, you are members together of one body. And the third thing he says, you are sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Three things that you are now together with Israel that you weren't before. You are heirs, you are members of one body, and you are sharers in the promise in Christ Jesus. Now elsewhere, Paul also speaks of this mystery, uh, and he says it's slightly different, but he explains it again to the Colossian believers in Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 to 27. He says this, now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So it's a slightly different explanation, but we in Christ, Christ in us, this is the mystery that Paul proclaims, that Christ in us, the hope of glory, that Jesus is the mystery revealed. Now sometimes people uh, in Paul's time, but also in our time, they try and make the gospel really complicated. Or they try and make it really mysterious in the sense of hidden and difficult to understand and complicated. But that's not what Paul is doing here. This mystery has now been revealed and made plain. It's an open secret. And the mystery, Paul says, that I preach to you, this amazing truth that has now been revealed is that you Gentiles and you Jews are now one in Christ Jesus. That you were separated, but now you are one and under the authority the authority of Christ Jesus. You are one new man, one new body. You are sharers together in the promise. We are in Christ, and Christ is in us, and that is the hope of glory for every one of us. And this is the amazing mystery that has been given to me, Paul, to preach to you Gentiles. And that's why you shouldn't be discouraged that I'm in these chains. That's why you shouldn't be discouraged at my suffering because I've been entrusted with this amazing news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that I'm sharing with you now and that has been made known. And it is, it is a great revelation of the mystery of God. So there's grace given for this. And so Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it's by this grace that you've been saved through faith, uh, not, not by yourself, not by your works, but it, it is the gift of God. So that is the grace that's been given for this mystery that's been revealed. But also, Paul goes on to say that there's a grace given for the ministry that he has been assigned. So we read on in Ephesians, first of all, the grace that's given for the mystery, the mystery made known to me by revelation. 
But he says this mystery, verse 6, is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. And then he says this in verse 7, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. So Paul says, look, the grace has been given to me for this mystery to be revealed and for the church. And uh, though it was hidden, it's now been made plain. But the grace of God has been given to me, Paul, the apostle, to preach this gospel. It's been given to me for the ministry that I now have, even though I was the least of all the apostles. Even though, as he says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2, even though I persecuted the church, even though I blasphemed, God took me and God gave me grace favor, ability, power to do this ministry that he's called me to do. And he says two things. He says he's given me grace to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. And the word in Greek is evangelizo, from which we get the word evangelism. This mystery, this power, this grace has been given to me and to us and to the church to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ, evangelizo. We have been given this grace as God's people. But he also says, the grace has been given to me also to make plain the administration of this mystery. The Greek is fotizo, and it means to, to reveal it, to make it easy to understand, to make plain this mystery and to explain it to you. I thought as I read th- those words, I thought of William Tyndale, who translated the Bible into plain English. He was speaking one day to a friend of his who was a priest about this important work of making plain, translating the scriptures. And Tyndale said to this priest, he said, if God spare my life, in many years I will cause a boy who drives the plow to know more of the scriptures than you do. That was Tyndale's calling, that was his drive to make plain to everyone, to the boy in the field, as well as the priest in the seminary, the plain truth of Scripture. And that was the grace that was given to Paul as well. And he says that this grace was given to me, and this grace was not without effect. Now God took somebody like Paul, and he lavished his grace on him so that he could preach the riches of Christ and make plain the administration of his mystery. And this grace has been given to each one of us. If we go forward a chapter into verse 7 of chapter 4, it says this, it says, but to each one of us grace has been given, has Christ has apportioned it. To every one of us, God has given grace to do certain things and to have certain giftings. This week, I uh, got an email off, off Emma, our church administrator, and she's working on a particular piece of work that I'd asked her to look into. And it was a piece of work that I'd started, but I'd asked her to finish. It's a piece of work that I found really difficult and complicated and unfulfilling. It wasn't really within my gift set. 
But she wrote back to me as she was doing this piece of work. She said, I just love doing this. This is totally my, my sweet spot. This is, what, this is what I love doing. And I thought, oh, that could not be more different from me. <laughs> I, I can't stand doing that stuff. And uh, I'm not gifted for it. But because she is gifted for it, uh, she flows in that gifting. Uh, the grace has been given and apportioned. Then she could do it. And it fulfills her and it gives her joy. And the Bible says that to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ has apportioned it. Every one of us, God has given us grace to do certain things. I had a chat uh, with Julie Nash, one of our elders this week, and she was telling me of an opportunity that God has given her to share the gospel in a difficult circumstance. This grace was given me to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ, evangelizo, to make known this truth, this gospel, this grace was given me to make plain the administration of this mystery. And, uh, and God gives us the grace that we need for the moments that we need to share the gospel that we carry. And each one of us is different, and each one of us carries different giftings. There's always a, di- a danger with our gifts, There's a danger of two things. There's a danger of gift envy and there's a danger of gift projection. The danger of gift envy is that I I look at somebody else's gift and I think I wish I could do what they do or I wish I could be like they are and I wish I could say the things or do the things that, that they can do and we can be envious of somebody else's gift or we can try and do something that we're not gifted to do because Christ has not apportioned the grace for that gift in our life. But equally, we can take a gifting that God has given to us, and we can try and project it onto everybody else and say, because I've been given this gift, you should do this as well, or you should do it the way I do it, or you should uh, use your gifts or the gifts that I've been given, you should do the same. And sometimes we've not been given that grace to fulfill that purpose or to minister in that way or to speak in that way or or to do these various areas of ministry. We haven't been apportioned that grace. So Paul says, well, but but God has given me this grace, uh, and his grace to me was not without effect. It, it, It worked out what it needed to do in my life, even though I was the least of all of the apostles. I was the greatest of sinners. But God took me and God placed his grace in my life so that I could share this mystery, this gospel of Christ. And the amazing thing is that to every one of us, to every one of us, this grace has been apportioned and given to share this mystery, to share this gospel, to uh, exercise the giftings that God has given us. I love the way that Paul expresses this in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 to 30. He says this, uh, he says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. God takes that which is weak and 
seemingly insignificant and seemingly unimportant, and he uses it for his glory. And that includes you, and it includes me. I shared before one time, I was here on a Sunday night in one of our evening services a a while ago, and I was watching as the worship team led us in worship, and Rachel was on the keyboard. And I was just kind of at a level with with her feet. I was just watching her feet on the pedals. (laughs) I was watching her leading us in worship. I was watching her feet uh, doing her thing and playing this beautiful music. And as I stood and watched Rachel leading worship, I remembered that she'd been born with deformed feet (laughs) that turned inwards and uh, that she had to wear a plaster cast and in the first days of her life couldn't walk properly uh, in those early years. And I was looking at her feet now, tapping away on the piano and how God was using her. And then I thought I was going to get up and preach, and I was reminded that I was born with a tongue tie, and uh, for the first years of my life, nobody could understand a word I said. Some people say they still can't, but (laughs) in those early years, I had a tongue tie, and I had to go for speech therapy, and only my sister could understand me. She had to interpret for me. And I thought, I'm going to get up in a minute. I'm going to preach the gospel. Rachel's playing the piano with her ex-deformed feet, and I'm preaching the gospel with my tongue tie. And God takes the things that are broken and the things that are not, and he calls them things that are. And he takes things that are weak and despised, and he uses them for his glory. And Paul says all of this is to the praise of his glory. And he, he said, God took me, Paul, the apostle Paul, who stood and watched as Stephen was stoned to death and blasphemed the name of Christ, who persecuted the church. God took me the least of all of you, the greatest of sinners, and he used me for his glory because grace was given me so that I might make known the mystery of Christ. I might make, make it plain for people to understand it. I, I might preach the gospel that Christ has now revealed in and through his body. And God takes every one of us, and, and as he explains to the Corinthians, look, there are not many of you that were noble when you were chosen. There were not many of you that were wise, not many of you in great standing in society, but God takes all of this, and he uses it for his glory. And to each one of you, Christ has apportioned grace. He's put grace in your life to do certain things that only you can do. When I get to heaven, God is not going to ask me why I was not more like David Beresford. Thank the Lord. (laughs) He's going to ask me if I was Jeff Lee and if I did the things that he called me to do and to use the gifts that he gave me to use for the body of Christ. And when you get to heaven, he's going to say to you, did you use the gifts that I gave you? Did you use the grace that was apportioned to you? He's not going to ask you, why were you not more like Jeff Lee? Or why were you not more like David Barrison? Or why were you not more like Andy Bennett? Some of us would like to be like Andy Bennett and play the piano like Andy. But God has not given us that gifting. But God has given you a gifting that is only apportioned to you. And that is, it's got your name on it and it's got your imprint on it. I love the way that Eugene Peterson writes about this. He writes about going into his father's butcher's shop. And he said, I grew up 
And every year, like Samuel, my, my mum, she sold me a little apron for the butcher's shop. It was like Samuel's ephod. And every year I would get a new butcher's apron and I would go and stand on the crate in my dad's butcher's shop and I would watch as they carved the meat and my dad would say that some of the butchers, they hacked it, they hacked the meat, they didn't respect the raw material. But my dad, my dad, I watched him carve between the sinew and the bone. I saw him work those pieces of meat. I saw his skill as a butcher as he talked to the customers and plied his trade and Eugene Peterson says, I internalized a respect for the material at hand. Now, the material could be a pork loin chop, or it could be a mahogany plank, or it could be a lump of clay, or it could be the will of God, or a soul. But when the work is done well, there's a kind of submission of will to the conditions at hand, a cultivation of what I would later learn to call humility. It's noticeable feature in all skilled workers, woodworkers, potters, poets, prayers, and pastors, and I learned it in the butcher's shop. Paul says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. And so when I did woodwork at all levels, I was rubbish at it, but I did it anyway. But I did learn to work with the grain. And I did uh, know that you don't go across the grain, and God doesn't go across the grain of our personalities. And God works with the material at hand, whether it's a pork loin chop in this illustration, or a mahogany plank, or a human soul. Von Eugel said, there are no dittos among souls. We're all different, and we're all called by the grace of God to fulfill our place in the body of Christ that he has called us to fulfill. And the great thing that we remembered last week was that whether we take the illustration of a body or whether we take the illustration of a building, we are being built together as a place where God works and God dwells by his spirit. And some people are the little finger and some people are the big toe and some people are the tongue and some people are the eyes and some people are the bowels. And, but we are all the body of Christ and we all function and we all need each other and we all grow together as we fulfill those things to which God has called us. God has given you grace. So don't wish that you had somebody else's gift. And don't project your gift or somebody else's gift on someone else. But use the grace that has been apportioned to you to serve Christ and the body of Christ and the purposes of Christ. This is why Paul could write with such confidence to these believers, don't worry about my chains. Don't be discouraged by my suffering because this is what I'm called to. I was called to share in the sufferings of Christ. This is an honor to do this. So grace is given, Paul says, to receive and to understand the mystery of Christ. And the same grace is given to us today, that we are given the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might know him better. And you can receive that grace. And it doesn't matter if you're, in the old terms, the plowboy or the priest. This is made plain to every one of us, the scriptures and the truth of God, the mystery of Christ revealed. Grace has been given to every one of us for the ministry to which we are called. 
And the whole of us as a church is called to evangelizo, to share and make plain this truth, this gospel of Christ. But the third bit of grace that Paul reveals here is the grace to declare the manifold wisdom of God, which is what the church is called to do. So he says, he says in verse 7 what we've just talked about, I became a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. And although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, riches of Christ, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. And this is now the grace that's given to the church. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. So this manifold wisdom of God, the grace is given to the church to declare to these heavenly powers, these rulers and these authorities, the manifold wisdom of God. The same word in the Septuagint the Greek translation of the Bible is used for Joseph's multicolored coat, his coat of many colors, many fabrics, many embroidered fabrics. It means, it means many or various or rich colors alongside each other, woven or embroidered. What a great picture of the church. What a great picture of our church, of the church many various rich colors alongside each other, woven and embroidered together like a coat of many colors that's beautiful in its diversity. The manifold wisdom of God shone through the church to the principalities and powers. So what does God do? God takes the rich and the poor, and God takes the intelligent and the uneducated, and God takes the black and the white, and God takes the different ethnicities, and he takes the Jews, and he takes the Gentiles, and he brings them together, and he makes them one in Christ Jesus, and he demonstrates the glory of Christ Jesus in this unified body to declare this beautiful, manifold, multicolored wisdom of God to the heavenly realms, the realm of spiritual reality. And that's what church is. That's the high view that Paul has of the church of Jesus Christ. It is the manifold wisdom of God. It is the plan A of God, and it's the plan B of God, and it's the plan C of God. There is no other plan. It is the church, the local church, that is the hope of the world. And it is through this body, this manifold body, this multifaceted, multicolored, different body of Christ, that God wants to declare his glory and show his glory through you and through me. Which is why it's so important that you don't try and be like me and I don't try and be like you. And you honor the gift of God in me and I honor the gift of God in you because together we are built to be a habitation for the presence of Jesus Christ. Together, we are brought together to display this wisdom of God. And there's something tremendously powerful 
in this movement of God. Now, let's not be fooled. Anybody who's looked at church, lived in church, grown up in church, been part of church, knows that at times church is difficult and complicated and conflict-ridden. Bonhoeffer said that the sooner you realize that, the sooner you will come to true community. It's not that we airbrush it. It's not that we say it's all plain sailing. Do you think Paul did that? The Apostle Paul, who spent his ministry life writing letters, trying to sort out the mess of the church? He wrote to the Corinthians, he said, you've got to stop turning up to communion drunk. You've got to stop that. You've got to stop sleeping with your mother or your mother-in-law. And you've got to stop this and you've got to stop that and, and tell Euodia and Sintichi, tell them to stop arguing with each other and to sort out their conflict. And, and Timothy, you know, sort them out. And, you know, Paul said, I, I labor as one laboring again to bring to birth these churches that I've birthed and grounded. And, you know, nobody knew more. Nobody knew more than Paul what Eugene Peterson called the mess of congregation. What a mess. <laughs> but nobody knew more than Paul what also Eugene Peterson calls the Shekinah of congregation, the glory of God revealed in his people and through his people, the church of Jesus Christ. And this gives us great hope and great cause to reflect and to have a high ecclesiology, a high view of the church, which is why we as Christians, we cannot ever say, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. It doesn't afford us that privilege. It's like saying, I love you to your wife, but I hate your body. We just, we love Christ, but we love his church. We love his body. We are the body of Christ. And we are the manifold wisdom of God that declares to the heavenly realms, the realm of spiritual reality, the wisdom of God through the church. And this grace has been given to every one of us. Which is why our membership pledge is so important. I will guard the unity of my church. I will protect and develop and preach the testimony of my church. I will follow the leadership of my church. I will be this member of this body of Christ that is for the glory of God. And yes, it is messy at times, but it is glorious. <laughs> and it is the wisdom of God. And grace has been given for us. This is God's plan A. And so, Paul says, we can approach God with boldness and with confidence. This whole passage is washed through with grace. We need the grace of God in our lives. I need the grace of God. You need the grace of God. And we need to show the grace of God to each other. This grace was given to me, Paul says, to reveal this mystery. It's been hidden in ages past, but has now been made known in and through Jesus Christ. This mystery is that you Gentiles and you Jews can come together as one body under Christ, in Christ. This mystery, as he writes to the Colossians, is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This grace has been given and revealed to us, and our job is to evangelizo, is to tell other people about it and to make it plain. 
to make it simple and understandable so that the simplest person in society could come and find Christ as their Savior and Lord. And this grace has been given to every one of us for the ministry that we are called to. And whether it's in Portsmouth (laughs) or Plymouth, it's still the grace of God that's been given to you to minister his grace to other people and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So wherever you are, God will use you. Wherever you are, God will prophesy through you and God will speak healing to the broken and new life to the lost because this grace has been given to you and only to you, Rachel. So use it wherever you go. Use it for the grace of God. And even though I don't have the insight to do it, I could pick out every one of you and say the grace has been given to you and only you to do what you are called to do. Sometimes we put such terrible burdens on each other to try and make each other do things that we're not called to do or to be who we're not called to be. But you use the grace that God has given you to fulfill the ministry to which Christ has called you. And as a church, we together will show and have been given the grace to show the manifold wisdom of God to the principalities and powers. And I would say to you, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace. Your grace, as Paul said, is sufficient for us. For your strength is made perfect in our weakness. So I thank you, God, that you chose us, not many of us wise, not many of us rich, not many of us noble, but you chose us to preach the wisdom of Christ and that we could show that this is not from us, this is the power of God, this is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I pray, Lord, for every one of us that we would have greater revelation of your gospel, that we would share it and make it plain to others, that, God, we would, uh, we would move in the ministry that you've called us to and the grace that you've given us to be that person. If you've called us to be a business person, we're going to be a successful business person and we're going to use our giftings for the glory of God and we're going to use our finances for the glory of God. If you've called us to be a, a, a wife, a, a mother raising children in this season, you've given us the grace to do that, Lord, and you will bless that season of ministry and whatever Lord I pray that we would find and know and receive the grace that has been given to us for the sake of the body of Christ and I pray that we together Lord would make known this wisdom of God to the principalities and powers and Christ would be revealed in and through us in Jesus name. Amen.